Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. This week in the markets, the S&P 500 reaches a new all-time high but without conviction, as investors question whether the 2023 Santa rally went too far too fast. It's been a long wait. After 106 weeks, just over two years, the US stock market has limped over the line to hit a new all-time high. No one's really celebrating, though. Given that the market tends to rise over time, new highs come along quite frequently, and there is a distinct lack of momentum behind the latest move into uncharted territory. The S&P 500 index closed at 4,839.8, just clearing the high reached in January 2022. But it's taken three weeks to rise the 1.5% required to take the market over the line. Most of the work was done in the nine consecutive weeks of gains, 16% in total at the end of last year. When investors became excited, perhaps overexcited, about the prospect of significant rate cuts this year and next. Although the market capitalization weighted S&P 500 has hit a new record, the equal weighted index remains below its peak and the Russell 2000 small cap index is 21% down on its all-time high. In fact, today's setup of a bull market for the market's biggest stocks at the same time as the small caps are stuck in a bear market is unique. This type of divergence has never happened before, even if it's not unusual for some kind of a lag before a market rally broadens out. More interesting is to think about what might come next. If you look at previous all-time highs after bear markets or after significant corrections, the odds are stacked in favour of a continued positive market. In most cases, the market is significantly higher two years later than when it first reaches a new high. In 1985, it went on to rise another 50% at its maximum in the next two years. In 1995, it was 60% up at some point in the following 24 months. There are exceptions and double-digit declines do happen, but there's only been one major double-dip downturn in recent decades, and that was during the financial crisis when the market fell another 52% after the 2007 hide. The balance between good and bad outcomes is firmly skewed to the positive side, so that's one reason to feel optimistic going into 2024. But the rally continues to be driven by a small handful of stocks. The question is when and if the rest of the market will join in the Magnificent Seven-focused rebound. Usually it does, but the lag can be quite long often more than a year or so. As has been the case for a long time, the key driver of the market is interest rate expectations. The reason the market has run out of momentum so far this year is a change in the narrative from extreme optimism about rate cuts to a more nuanced picture. And that has been driven by new economic data on jobs and inflation. Prices rose faster than expectations on both sides of the Atlantic in December. In the US, jobs growth and retail sales were stronger than expected. Over here, it's a bit more mixed, with retail sales disappointing, but wage growth is still high. 
That's resulted in a scaling back of interest rate expectations. In December, futures markets anticipated a 90% chance of a first cut in rates in March. Now the probability is around 50%. Despite changing forecasts about the start of the easing cycle, however, it's still thought likely that the Fed and the Bank of England will cut rates substantially this year and that the US will avoid a severe recession. A Bank of America survey showed that just 17% think there will be a hard landing for the economy and only 3% think interest rates will be higher in a year's time. A key change since the turn of the year has been on the geopolitical front, with attacks on shipping in the Red Sea raising fears that the war in Israel and Gaza could spill over into a bigger regional conflict, with important economic implications in terms of the oil price and the cost of imports if containers are forced to take a longer route around Africa on the key routes between Asia and Europe and the east coast of America. Other uncertainties arise on the domestic political front, with the latest developments in the year-long run-up to the US election making it look increasingly likely that Donald Trump will be the Republican candidate in November's election. This week, Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race, and Trump's main rival, Nikki Haley, is well behind in the polls, ahead of this week's New Hampshire primary. A victory for Trump is actually neither a good or a bad thing from a market perspective, as was demonstrated in 2017, when the first year of his first term in the White House delivered market-positive tax cuts and defied the sceptics. But in terms of geopolitical uncertainty, it points to more volatility ahead for the rest of this year. When it comes to the other key driver of markets, company earnings, it's business as usual as we move further into the fourth quarter results season. So far, only around 10% of leading US companies have reported on the final three months of 2023, but it's been a good start. Nearly 9 in 10 companies have beaten expectations by an average of just over 8%. That's par for the course, and it suggests that the earnings cycle really did turn up last year. Whether forecasts of double-digit earnings growth this year and next remain plausible remains to be seen. For now, investors remain cautiously optimistic about 2024. It would have been implausible for the end 2023 rally to continue for long into the new year, For one thing, the competition from alternative investments like bonds and cash has intensified in recent weeks as the sharp drop in yields during the Santa rally has gone partially into reverse. That's been particularly the case over here, where an index of UK government debt has fallen back by 3.6% as bond yields have risen again in anticipation of a slower drop in interest rates than was hoped for just a few weeks ago. Again, the pause for breath in bonds is unsurprising. Gilts, like US Treasuries, rose sharply in November and December. However, the direction of travel for interest rates remains positive. Traders still think that there will be 1.1 percentage points of cuts here in the UK this year, with interest rates falling from a 15-year high of 5.25%. That's less than the 1.73 percentage points of cuts forecast at the end of 2023. The reining in of expectations is unsurprising when you consider the stagflationary backdrop in the UK, with wage growth still running at 6.5%, well ahead of the overall inflation rate, but weak retail sales pointing to a slowing economy. 
In practice, the UK's higher inflation rate may prove short-lived if, as expected, a fall in utility prices in April sees the CPI fall here to less than the Bank of England's target of 2% as soon as the spring. Capital Economics, a consultancy, forecasts that the 10-year guilt yield will fall from its current level of nearly 4% to 3.25% by the end of the year. Interest rates are back on investors' radars this week as the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan both announced their first decisions of the year. In neither case is any change expected. Christine Lagarde, the head of the ECB, said at Davos last week that the first rate cut in the Eurozone would likely come in the summer. The Bank of Japan remains firmly in a supportive mode, out of step with other developed world central banks. Other key economic data this week includes fourth quarter GDP figures in the US and the latest set of purchasing managers index numbers right across the G7. But the main focus this week will be on company results. The MAG7 are in focus by Tesla and there's a flood of other leading companies reporting including American Express, Netflix, American Airlines, General Electric, Johnson & Johnson and Procter & Gamble all over the pond. And here, Associated British Foods, Foxton's, Weatherspoons, Wizz Air, WH Smith and Fevertree. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.